0: You'll get a twenty percent discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at boncour.net. That's b-o-n-c-o-e-u-r dot net, and use the code boncourcitycast twenty. It's springtime and everything is in full bloom all those flowers, not to mention the food that you're eating, that's all thanks to the work of bees. And we're not just talking about honeybees, either. There are 600 species of bees in Oregon, all doing their thing, pollinating plants. And a lot of them don't look or act how you'd expect them to. Today, on CityCast Portland, we're talking with Rich Hatfield, a senior conservation biologist with the Xerxes Society who studied native bees for 25 years. We'll talk about why they're so important, how to protect them, and how to observe them out in the wild this season without getting stung. It's Thursday, May 11th. I'm John Natariani, in for Claudia Mezza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Rich, thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So I think a lot of us think about the springtime as a time when we see these bees out there pollinating, doing their thing. But there are threats to local bee populations, right? Like, what's going on with the health of the bee communities here in Oregon?
1: Yeah, there certainly are. Um, I mean, the biggest threat probably here in in Portland, in the Portland area and in Oregon, it is um, pesticide use. Mm-hmm. And, and when most people think about pesticides, they sort of think of it as a farm problem. Um, And that's true. There are some threats there in, in agriculture, but but farmers in that industry in general, they have an economic incentive to use those products really wisely. A homeowner can go to a lot of different stores in the Portland area and get the same exact active ingredient products off the shelf and use it in their backyard with zero training whatsoever and zero knowledge about the potential negative impacts that it could have. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of chemicals on the market right now that are, that are sort of broad spectrum and systemic. And by broad spectrum, it means that it, it's not targeted towards any sort of insect. It'll kill anything. And by systemic, it, it means that it's actually absorbed by the tissues of the plant and then expressed in the plant which means that every time a bee eats or drinks, you know, from that plant, they're actually getting a, a micro dose of an insecticide. And, um, you know, there are potential lethal threats there where it could kill the bee immediately. But but there's also what we call sublethal threats, where over a long period of time, you get, you know, changes in behavior and changes in ability to navigate and reduced, you know, number of offspring and all of those things just have a slow drip, you know, long-term population level threat or, or effect on, on bee populations.
0: Mm-hmm. So if people want to protect local bees, I'm guessing the first step is just to not use these types of chemicals in your garden, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we, we 100% feel that these chemicals have no place in an ornamental landscape we sort of like to to tell people that are interested in h- how to manage their gardens without pesticides so a lot of people are like how am i going to do this um mm-hmm. it, i think that the, the key is like just have fun with it right our gardens are kind of ecosystems right and we should be trying to create yeah an ecosystem there and and if you have a pest problem in your ecosystem it means that some component of your ecosystem is missing. Like you might be missing yeah. a plant that might attract a predator that would help you take care of that problem. And I think if we can sort of change what a beautiful garden looks like and start thinking about it more of like a functional landscape rather than yeah. this kind of sterile
0: garden that I think some of us think about or that we see in magazines, you know. So like, what are some of the plants? Like, what do you recommend? What are some things that you can bring into your garden to help manage uh, these situations naturally instead of using pesticides? The best thing to
1: do is just diversity of all sorts. So diversity of sizes, diversity of shapes, diversity of colors. um, But most importantly, really, is just incorporate some native plants into your landscape. Um, Mm -hmm. So especially like our native butterflies and moths um, and some wasps to a certain degree have like a relationship with a native plant where they lay their eggs on that plant and their larvae actually have to eat that species of plant. So without those plants in your garden, you're not going to get some of these beneficial insects,
0: you know, and, and, Nature works just fine without chemical inputs. So the most the most sterile, uh, clean, well maintained, perfectly groomed garden you're saying isn't actually the healthiest uh, natural environment.
1: No, it's not. It, it, and um, I mean that doesn't mean that you can't have a functional ecosystem that doesn't look beautiful, right? You can. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But we have to change a little bit and and take some of those blemishes on our plants and be proud of those and think, oh, there's a beneficial insect benefiting from my from my plants.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, what is the threat to our ecosystem if we don't take care of our friends, the bees? Like what what could happen if, you know, these types of uh, guidelines aren't followed by people and the bee population starts to go down? I mean, ultimately, we're talking about
1: food security,
0: and <laughs> I mean that seems like a, a extreme thing to say, but it's true, right? Like if we don't yeah. have the bees pollinating plants, then that could sort of throw the entire system of growing food out of whack,
1: right? Yeah, and food for us, and also food for other wildlife that eats plants. You know, like it's a it could have huge cascading effects without question. The term out there is one out of three bites of food that you eat comes from a plant that was pollinated by a bee, so there. They're contributing to our our wild native ecosystem, and then also to our agro ecosystem um, and agro economy. Frankly, you know, in in the terms of billions of dollars annually, and it it should be, you know, taken as seriously as I think people do. I mean, I think people really care about this issue and want to do the right thing. I just think there's a lot of different messages out there about the best, most effective ways to help. Well, I've got a lot more bee
0: questions, but first, let's take a quick break. Here's a question that I'm sure some people are asking. Should people be scared of bees? No, definitely not. Because <laughs> I think that there's a lot of people yeah. that are very afraid of like a bee sting. Like, What, what do you, would you say to reassure people that when you see a bee, you don't need to freak out?
1: Well, I mean... The first thing is, is our native bees, for the most part, most of them don't have a stinger that's even strong enough to pierce your skin, right? So these, you our yeah. native bees are tiny. A lot of them are like ant-sized or a little bit bigger. And like, in fact, there's a there's a school here in, in Portland. It's Saban Elementary School. It's in Southeast Portland. They found a whole sort of colony of ground-nesting bees Uh, on their school years ago, and they were worried about it and they were going to spray them and kill them. And thankfully, a Xerxes employee lived across the street and helped the school to recognize that these were actually ground nesting bees that were completely harmless. They now have um, engaged the, the early childhood students in actually counting the population every year and they've nicknamed the bees tickle bees because they come out of the (laughs) ground and like they literally crawl on their arms and like they're able to hold them in their hands and now that's the that's the the mascot of the school. They're
0: the savin' ticklebees. You know, they... Oh my gosh. That's some branding for yeah. you. When you think of like the the hornets and like professional yeah. sports teams where they have their big stinger out. Yeah. It's like, nah, they're just they're just ticklebees. Or the tickle bees. The bees? These cute little ticklebees.
1: Yeah. Um <laughs> and you know, like most most be even bumblebees, which are native and can sting, um, you know, like when they're out on flowers, like they, they just want to do their work. Like they're, they don't care about you at all. If you try to, mm-hmm. you know, grab them or bat them or, you know, step on their, their home. Yeah. They're going to get upset, but like you would get upset if some giant person come to step on, step on your house as, <laughs> as well. Right. And so yeah. I, I th- they're just being defensive as much as they can, but, but watching these animals on flowers is, is a pretty beautiful experience. If you can just sort of you know get a lawn chair and a cold beverage and sit in your garden and watch them forage around your yard it's it's a pretty neat thing you've got a you've got a backyard safari back there just waiting
0: for you it just you, it needs your attention to actually pay attention to it yeah how how would you recommend if somebody wanted to get into the habit of watching bees uh how would they go about it here in portland
1: it truly is like everybody's got one in their backyard. I I, I would guess sure, that yeah, right. <laughs> I mean not that everybody has a backyard and I'm certainly awa- aware of that that some people live in, you know, high story apartment buildings and and don't have property, but but even if you put a pot of flowers on a three third story, you know, porch, the chances that bees are going to find it are pretty good. Um so mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean you could do something as simple as just setting up a lawn chair in, in whatever space that you have access to and you know, just watching flowers, and most people, I would guess, within an hour would see at least ten different species of bees. And then, if you were, you know, if you wanted to go get even more interested, you know, mm-hmm. go for a hike into one of Metro's or, or Portland Parks natural areas. Um, you know, there's there's ones in every quadrant of the city that have you know wild sort of prairie type habitats or or flowering shrubs and trees, and just go walk around and, and look look at them. There's 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 more wild. You will see more wildlife in the form of wild bees in our native parks than you will, you know, birds and mammals, because <laughs> they can hear you coming and yeah. they hide from you. Whereas <laughs> the bees actually don't care. They're just they're just trying to do their work.
0: So, if so, if you're trying to find different species of bees and you're you're out like, how can you tell the different species apart? A lot of them are kind of easy to tell apart. You'll see some that are
1: bright green. Mm-hmm. Um, others. Uh, will be bright red. There, there's some
0: parasitic bees that are bright red. Um, wait, wait, wait. wait. What, 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 tell me more about these red parasitic bees. I feel like you just scared me. again. <laughs> yeah, sorry. They're not parasitic on you.
1: They're okay, actually okay. parasitic on, on each other. So there's 20,000 species of bees worldwide. And with that many different oh species, gosh. you just get a bunch of diversity of lifestyles and so you know some bees work hard they go out and they collect their own pollen and nectar and they build their nests and they dig their nests and they lay their eggs and they they do all that and then you get these other bees that you could sort of think about as lazy or you could think about as crafty that are like "Eh, i'm not going to go collect my own pollen." I'm going to take advantage of that bee that's collecting all the pollen. And I'm going to, Once she's gone, I'm going to crawl into her nest and I'm going to lay my eggs in her nest. And then she's going to raise yeah. my offspring. And those are the parasitic bees. So that's what they're doing. They're they're sort of, they're taking advantage of the hard work of other bees to raise their own young instead of doing it themselves. That is so
0: rude. Is I so so rude.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is rude. Uh, but it's also it's also, you can sort of think about it almost like a, a predator-prey relationship mm-hmm. where they're actually strengthening, ultimately, the genetic stock and 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 helping bees to choose better places to build nests where they can't be found by parasitic bees and things like that. So it's it's
0: real interesting. It's not a tickle bee, though. <laughs> not a t- tickle bee. No. That's fair enough. Well, Rich, thank you so much. Uh, hope we're inspiring some people to get outside and check out what's going on outside their back door.
1: Me too. It's been a pleasure and thanks for having me.
0: And now for your microdose of news. In a very unusual move, a city commissioner, at least two current school board members, the Multnomah County DA and the editorial board of Willamette Week have all reversed their previous endorsements of Derek Peterson for the Portland Public School Board. The Oregonians' editorial page, though, apparently still on board. This all comes after Rolling Stone reported on Peterson's ties to Christian nationalists. He briefly withdrew from the race before returning to the campaign this week. And the Portland Police Bureau is getting back into enforcing traffic laws. The PPB has gone without a traffic safety division for more than two years, but now they say they're doubling down on investigating driving under the influence, as well as other key safety hazards. Yeah, I'm sure this is going to go great, right? For even more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll Throw a link in the show notes. Well, that's all for us today here on CityCast Portland. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend about it. Leave us a rating or a review. We'd really appreciate it. I'm John Natariani, in for Claudia Mezza. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's.